Let us pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to freely gather here and to worship you. And Lord, we pray that as we prepare for this celebration of Christmas, the celebration of the birth of Jesus, that you would speak anew, speak fresh into our hearts and minds and lives. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. In this Advent journey, we've been looking at some of the characteristics of Advent. Advent, of course, is that season leading up to Christmas where we prepare. It's a season of preparation. I don't know how your preparations are coming, whether your preparations are relaxing or whether your preparations need great prayer, but we are in this season of preparation nonetheless. And we've talked about some of these characteristics of Advent, the waiting that comes on Jesus, the waiting of the season, learning to wait on the Holy Spirit to speak and act in our lives and in the world. This notion of anticipating, anticipating with joy the coming of Christ into our lives as Christ has come into the world once again. And this morning I want to talk a little bit about expectation because it is slightly different than anticipation. Of course, words mean things and sometimes it's an issue of semantics, but we have this story of John the Baptist. I love this story and I love reading about John the Baptist. He, he must have had certainly a very odd life if we think about it and certainly people must have looked at him oddly. He of course had much, 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 much older parents, son of a pastor who was not able to talk for a while. Many church members pray for such a pastor. <laughs> he lived in the wilderness that says on locusts and honey probably wasn't well kept. He was a bit of a wild man, if you will, a bit odd, preached repentance over and over again. His preaching probably not received warmly. His words were sharp, a passionate man. It's interesting as we read this story because he's talking to various people as you see in the reading. It's actually a reminder to us that the story of Christmas is a universal one, that the coming of God into the world is for all. But John the Baptist gives us some important reminders of our baptism, that in our baptism we are to be people who are changed, that we come in our normal everyday lives to baptism, and in baptism we receive, we embrace, we accept, we engage with our identity as children of God, inheritors. And then we go back to our normal everyday lives. But we're to go back a people who are changed. You see, John wanted to preach this message to the people. That this, that this notion of being in Christ, that baptism, that this this idea that this Messiah was going to come into the world is something that should change us, something that should be transformative for us. John uses very strong language in this passage, starting with, you brood of vipers. It's not exactly a way to uh, win friends and influence people. But more than a criticism, more than anything else, John here perhaps is reminding us of who we are without Christ who we are when we are stuck in our sin without the grace of God. 
that it's in Christmas we need this reminder, not only of hope, of grace, of salvation in Jesus Christ, but that we need Christ to be made new, to be transformed. That without Christ, we and the world are hopeless. Christmas is a very, very sad holiday without Christ. And yet so often there's so much more to it that we forget about this hope that comes in Jesus Christ. You see, John's message was preaching against the status quo, the status quo for all people. That's oftentimes the kingdom message. The kingdom message so often is contrary to what is status quo, not just in the world, but even sometimes in the church. And while the status quo may sometimes, not always, may sometimes be comfortable, that doesn't always make it right. And so John is challenging what is going on here for all of these people. He's preparing the way. You see, John understands that, that he has a role, not only in preaching the gospel, not only in pointing to the Messiah, but preparing the way for the Messiah. You see, the story of Christmas, the idea that the God of the universe would send his son to this world, that Emmanuel, God, would come and be with us and continue to be with us, it's something that actually demands a response. It demands a response from us. And John the Baptist knew this. John the Baptist knew that this was an important part of the story. He knew who he was. He knew who the Messiah was going to be. And so he preached the kingdom and pointed people to Jesus. It's a model for life and ministry for us. Preach and live the kingdom and point people to Jesus. You see, John expected this Messiah to come. And you know, we all have expectations, right? Expectations in various areas of our lives expectations at home, at work, in the, in the church. I was uh, last night doing some grocery shopping at Target, and I, I apparently there was, p other people were shopping last night. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> and I like to listen and people watch anytime I'm in public because I find it fascinating. And so there was this woman in the electronics section who was not experiencing Christmas joy. <laughs> and she says, I need item X. Well, ma'am, I'm sorry, we don't have any, we're out. No Christmas joy. And she said, well, it, it says here you have three. I promise you, ma'am, we don't have any. And so the conversation went on long after I went electronics, after I left electronics. In fact, I was walking in another part of the store and I heard somebody else telling their wife the story of the woman in electronics who had lost sight of Christmas joy. <laughs> we all have expectations. Expectations in so many areas. Sometimes our expectations are right, sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Sometimes our expectations are of God, sometimes they are not of God. We all have these expectations. In fact, expectations often become a strong conversation in our household. Those of you who have ever been parents or are parents know about these conversations. 
And so oftentimes our tensions in our lives, whether in Target or on the road or at work or in our homes or at school, come when our expectations don't become reality or whether there's tension around our expectations. But it's real, these expectations that we have. In fact, uh, the other day, a week or so ago, I received an email from one of the kids' teachers. This happens from time to time. And the, the subject line of the email was just the child's name. All right? Now, I have come to expect that when I see one of those emails come with the teacher's name and the subject line is just the child's name, that this is going to be a song of lament, not a song of praise. And so in those moments, those of you that have been parents, whether receiving an email or a phone call or a comment or a note, know that when your expectations don't become reality, there is tension. But you see, here's what John really understood. John had expectations too. And some of them weren't met, particularly when Jesus came to be baptized. John didn't expect that. But John had expectations that the Messiah would come and that the Messiah would do powerful things. John expected that. John expected this revolution to continue. John expected this gospel message that he was preaching to come true fruition. He expected that God had an answer. John knew that the Savior was coming. John knew who he wasn't, and he knew who the Messiah was. In verse 16, they were wondering, the people, as John preached, if he was the Messiah. You see, they were always on the lookout for the Messiah, always on the lookout for God. It's a posture that we perhaps could adopt more and more in our own lives as well. And so they start to wonder if he's the one. And John knew this, so he addressed this, and he says, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see, it's one thing to recognize. It's one thing to anticipate. But John understood something greater. One more powerful than he was coming. He expected that. And for us, we too need to expect that. That the one who is more powerful than we could ever be has come and is coming. That Emmanuel, God, is with us. My kids will go to bed Tuesday night with expectations. Others of you can relate to that. And they will wake up Wednesday morning. Perhaps some expectations met, perhaps others not. We are a people who expect a lot. But I have to recognize that we don't often expect God to act. We don't often expect God to work. We might anticipate, we might hope, we might wish, we might feel blessed or lucky or happy or excited when God works. 
But so often we have the entirely wrong posture. We have this posture of, I'll do it, I'll figure it out, and maybe God will help. Maybe God will show up eventually. We wish, we hope, but we don't live with this expectation that God will come to us, that God will come into every moment of our lives, that God will come into every situation, every challenge, every moment, every relationship, whether good, bad, or indifferent. You see, John's legacy is not so much in his parents, in his birth story, his name, Maybe, and all those things are good, and certainly part of his legacy is in his baptism and being the cousin of Jesus and being the one who prepares the way. But I think John's greatest legacy was found in his identity, that he knew who he was and who he wasn't. But the best part of John's legacy, when I look at the life of, the John, of John the Baptist, was he preached and lived the kingdom, but he pointed people to Jesus. John got it right. He was constantly pointing people to Jesus. You see, the Christmas story is supposed to point us to Jesus. In the midst of the shopping and the wrapping and the parties and the family events and the cooking and the baking and all else that comes, we forget that not only has Christ come, but we can expect Christ to come to us over and over again. And that our job is not only like John to look for the coming of the Messiah, but to point people to that same Messiah. You see, God is best experienced and understood in our day-to-day -day living. You've probably heard me say, quote Oswald Chambers, who wrote that great devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. And he says, you know, it's easy to follow God on the mountaintop, to sing songs of praise when things are great and glorious. And it's oftentimes easy to follow God in the valleys, in our moments of suffering, because we have come to our end and we see our need for God more than ever before. But the real challenge is to follow God in our everyday living, our day-to-day, moment-by-moment experience in the midst of the busy and the mundane. See, the good news of Christmas, the great news of Christmas, is that we can expect that Jesus has come and will continue to come to us over and over and over again. That we don't have to wish or hope but we can expect. And it's in the midst of expecting that we can see. Not perfectly, but that we can see as John saw that he had a kingdom to preach, a kingdom to live, but more importantly, he needed to point people to Jesus. You see, that's the simplicity of the Great Commission. <laughs> Preach and live the kingdom and point people to Jesus. God has come into the world to be with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Can there be greater news? Expect God 
in your lives. Expect God in the world. Expect God to come to you in each and every moment. And in expecting the coming of Christ into your life, you will begin to see and experience joy and life beyond your greatest hopes and your greatest dreams. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, thank you for sending Jesus, your son, Emmanuel, to be with us. Help us to see, to understand, to recognize God with us. Lord, help us to do more than to anticipate, dream, hope, and wish, but to come to expect your working in our lives. Help us accept the model of John the Baptist, living and preaching your kingdom, but most importantly, most importantly, looking to Jesus, pointing others to Jesus. It's in that name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand.